Talk. I got your facts about going to Algiers, <laughs> and I'm there. We're breaking ground over there next week. Shh. All right. Now I'm going to use I'm this, this phone thing. Make Three. me look important. That's right. It's made of licorice. Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we kick down the doors and fireball our enemies, all while keeping an eye on the clock in Five Minute Dungeon. Next, we're desperate scientists racing around the world to prevent deadly outbreaks in Pandemic. And lastly, we divine answers to questions about divine delectables in Foodie Fight. I'm your host, Celeste Angelus. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. Hello, I'm Evan Bernstein, and my vaccination schedule is up to date. I'm Ed Povolitis. <coughs> oh, nothing to worry about here. Just a case of the nipples. This is Joe Unfrey, fresh from saving humanity from another 21st century epidemic. Hi, I'm Mike Grenier. Let's take a trip to the CDC just in case. Hey, everybody. We are super psyched to be headed to Dragon Con at the end of August. It's August 29th through September 3rd. What's going on there, guys? I'm running a panel called Let's Hug It Out about cooperative games. And I'll be anchoring a panel called The Backstabbiest Backstabbing Board Games of All Time. Watch your back. And I'll be placing the work replacement games. And I cannot wait to lead the panel on Legacy Games. Legacy! We're really looking forward to it. And we hope you can join us there. Congratulations to our contest winners. Wingspan, Gloomhaven, Star Wars Outer Rim, and U-Boot are on their way to your doors. Don't forget to like, rate, review, and subscribe. And thanks everyone for listening. Atlanta, here we come. Our first game up this week is Five Minute Dungeon, designed by Connor Reed, published by Spin Master in 2017. Number of players 2 to 5, ages 8 and up. Playtime 5 to 30 minutes. Okay, when we picked the lock on this game, what were our first thoughts? Mike? Five Minute Dungeon. I bet we can do it in 10. Evan? I watched the Witch Game First unboxing and their trademarked reboxing of this game. I was impressed. <laughs> Ed? Okay, I got a hand of cards. Now what? Um, um, oh, why are you guys talking so fast? It's not like we're on the clock or anything. Oh. Joe? This one's all about quick hands and quick thinking. Let's get to it. Kick down the door. Reveal the enemy. Bash, bang, smash. Next door. But before we go, 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 Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played. In 5-Minute Dungeon, you assume the role of one of 10 heroes, each with special cards and abilities, but there's only 5 minutes to escape the dungeon. Battle dangerous monsters, overcome treacherous obstacles, and defeat maniacal dungeon bosses by playing the right cards from your hand. Communication and teamwork are critical to survival, as your resources are limited. With the clock ticking, it's up to you and your team to battle together in pursuit of victory! or perish alone. All right, it was truly cooperative, wasn't it, guys? Had to be, yes. If we're actually, like, communicating <laughs> and uh, planning stuff, sure, and not just uh, slapping <laughs> down cards as fast as possible and uh, not actually communicating what we have, sure. When we weren't <laughs> arguing with each other about the cards we were putting down, it was definitely cooperative. <laughs> yeah, sure. Ed, who has time to chat about stuff? We've got monsters in front of us that need to be slain. So is there, like, an actual timer that says five minutes is up, game over, or...? 
Good oh. question, Mike. When we open the box, the game says you need to provide a timer. What it didn't mention in the box was that there is an online app that is a five-minute dungeon timer. Ah. And it is a cool app. It does ridiculous commentary while it's doing the countdown. <laughs> <laughs> There's epic dungeon music. Then he'll say, three, two, one, go. And then you can actually stop time during the game if you need to do certain things like take a, you know, go to the bathroom or clarify something. And when you hit the pause button, he'll be like, take a break and, <laughs> <laughs> and stuff like that. That's and then cool. he has, and then at the end, you can actually press whether you win or lose. So if you win, you know, he'll say something like, did you win? Oh, good for you. Five gold stars. <laughs> and <laughs> and if you that. lose, he'll be like, the team lost the game and was never seen again. <laughs> Clever. Like, does it have different ones when you press the end button or is it always the same? It changes up, of course. Oh, that's so cool. But if you don't have the app, you can use any timer. Any five-minute timer will do. But it is definitely five minutes. You've got to get through the entire dungeon, which is a series of cards, and all the bosses. Yep. You stack up those cards, those doors, as you were saying, Celeste, on top of the boss card. You got to get through all those doors first, 20 of them, I believe, in the first round alone, in the first dungeon alone. And then you fight the boss and get it done in five minutes. It's a lot harder than it sounds. <laughs> so like the, the backside of the card looks like a door and then you just like flip it over as if you'd kicked it open. Exactly. Yep. Correct. Oh, cool. And reveals what you have to have in your hand to play in order to get through this uh, obstacle in order to open the next door. So everybody has like a random assortment of stuff they have to like pool together to beat whatever the challenge is. Well, you have your own personal deck of cards. And rest assured, the cards in your hand are not enough. Exactly. That's what's great about this cooperative game. It really does require everybody to kick in specific cards in order to defeat the monster based on the symbols that are showing on the monster card. However, each player also has an archetype they're playing, such as sorceress. Or thief. And they each have a special ability. What were you playing, Joe? Uh, I was playing the ranger. And what was your special ability? Well, my special ability was I could discard three cards to defeat a person. So if one of the doors revealed a person, Joe, you could just throw your cards down. I could throw any three cards down. Any any three cards that you had in your hand, and boom, that person is defeated next door. Bam, get out of here, person. Uh, ooh, mini boss. Oh boy, I got the two Scrolls. guys here. There he is, he's out. Wait, four done. scrolls, done. Okay. Next, Next we got 51 seconds. Crap. Seven unhelpful dwarves. Holy crap. Is it a person? Kill the person. The invisible wall. Oh, crap. What's that? Two Obstacle. Scrolls. Kill it. Obstacle. Kill it. All right, done. Next, Next is we gotta a get shortcut. Through this. 30 seconds. A shortcut. It's another obstacle. Kill it. Those special abilities are great for when we don't have the right cards in our sets. What's the problem with that? We ran into a problem. <laughs> burning your cards. You burn your deck. You have a finite amount of cards to burn through. So Exactly. But what's even worse is I could end up throwing, like, let's say this monster or this person needed two swords and two scrolls to defeat. If I throw down a sword and a scroll and nobody else has enough swords and scrolls, and this is that communication problem that Ed was talking about, <laughs> then Joe has to go ahead and throw three cards on top of it. So we lost a scroll and a sword and three more cards when we oh. could have just lost three cards had we communicated properly. Yep. Mm -hmm. So there's a big chance of wasting cards in the process. And how do you get right. the cards back into your hand? Well. A lot of times you don't. <laughs> but the paladin, whom Celeste played, 
does have one card in her hand called Heal, and she can throw that on anyone's discard pile, any of the players' discards pile, and they can take the discarded cards and put it back into the hand from which they're drawing their three cards. Uh, right, but so, a card you play to defeat the monster, though, gets swept away and removed from the game. It's also important to note that even though there are 10 character classes to choose from, uh, but the cards that are on are double-sided. So basically, you will have a maximum of five people, and Every time you choose one of the ten, you eliminate another one. Oh. No, the, whoever's on the other side of that card from playing. Oh, so they're mm-hmm. totally different characters on either side. It'll be like the wizard and the cleric right. or something. When I had ranger on one side, the other card had huntress on the other side, and I was sort of agonizing over which one to play for a while. So it I like that. Me. You can come up with different combinations. You can see which ones work best and which ones don't work so well together. Yeah, like uh-huh. for example, my board had uh, the sorceress or the wizard. You can't play both in the same game, Mike. No wizard and sorceress together. Yeah, and I think there's the there's the paladin and the Valkyrie are on the same card on the opposite sides, and I think the barbarian and the gladiator. Okay, so the character classes on either side are kind of similar to each other, but have differences, it sounds like. Okay. Yeah, so you're going to have one fighter type, one sneaky type, and, and so on. Also, the deck that each player gets is different. So for the wizard and sorcerers, I have a deck that's going to be the same for either one, but... My composition of cards is different than the other players. Oh, it's not just one big community deck. Aha. No. 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 The thief has a backstab card that can eliminate a a, a, per, a person card to get through the next door, for example. That's backstabs only with the thief. No time to grind this guy down slowly. Here we go. <laughs> Bam. Bam. Right in the back. I love the cards in this game, too. Each player gets their own deck, and it has a specific colored back. But when you lay all the decks next to each other, it does make a picture of a dragon, Ah, which is kind of a neat little touch. And I love the comedy in this game. The enemies have hilarious names. One enemy, for example, is the Chromacorn, which is like a metallic (laughs) unicorn. Uh, Another one is a creature of unfathomable evil. And it's a happy cat knocking over a bottle of wine. (laughs) One enemy is an overly dramatic monologue. (laughs) The first boss was the baby barbarian. (laughs) in a diaper and everything (laughs) as you go through the dungeon you will occasionally flip over a card which is a mini boss and they had this really good balance mechanic where on the mini bosses you can't use your special abilities because they don't classify as a monster or a person or something like that you actually need to play the right symbols yeah, they just flat out give you a harder time. This kind of feels like Munchkin, but with actual cooperation. <laughs> <laughs> without, the back, without the backstabbing component yeah. of Munchkin, right? Right, <laughs> right. And it's all real time. It's like the Ben Franklin quote to the other founding fathers. We'd better hang together on this or, you know, we're going to hang separate. <laughs> <laughs> he was clever. He's one of my favorite historical characters. Oh, yeah. If my son wants to play a full-blown D&D campaign and we have like 12 minutes before we have to get out the door to his wrestling practice, this yeah. is a great alternative. You no, know, I, I have to say what I, I loved a lot of things about this game, but what I loved the most about it was for once I was the quickest member of the panel. I filled stuff in. I cut off my teammates. I conserved their resources while I ran through my own like a hot knife through butter. This was people constantly saying, Joe, Joe, no, wait, stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joe, except for how well does cutting off your teammates in cooperation seem to go together? <laughs> okay, explorers, get your pickaxes out. It's time to dig up or bury five-minute dungeon.
Mike? Well, I happened to get there at minute six, so I missed the whole thing. Evan? It's like a cooperative version of Slapjack. Fun theme, easy to play. It's a dig up. Ed? It's a little bit too chaotic for my taste, but for just five minutes per game, I can dig it up for another one. Joe? The synergy between traditional adventure concepts shines through like a beacon in the night. If you like traditional RPGs and even just kind of like card games, I defy you to bury this. You should dig it up like me. Giggle-inducing franticness with just the right amount of boss fight anxiety. Dig it up. Joe, where can you find this game? I don't care where you get it. Just get it. It's a $20 MSRP. If you have thoughts about 5-Minute Dungeon, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our next game up this week is Pandemic, designed by Matt Leacock, published by Z-Man Games in 2007, number of players 2 to 4, ages 10 and up, playtime 45 minutes. Okay, when we conducted our triage, what did we notice? Evan? Pan was the goat god. Demic is medic misspelled, so clearly this is a game about taking care of goats, right? Mike? Ah, there's almost no infection on the board. This should be a piece of cake. Ed? I'll head over to Hong Kong to manage the outbreak there. You head to Algiers! Joe? I'm impressed with the intricacy of the player roles. Here's hoping we get some synergy out of them. Move over, Global Warming. This game has a faster way to wipe out half the population. But before we inject you all with our mere opinions, why not have Evan inoculate you with the game rules? In Pandemic, you and your companions are highly skilled members of a disease-fighting team battling against four deadly diseases that have broken out simultaneously all over the world. Ugh. Your team will travel across the globe, stemming the tide of infection and developing the resources you'll need to research the cures for each of the four plagues before they get out of hand. Taking a unique role within the team, you must work together using your individual strengths to conquer the diseases. The clock is ticking as outbreaks and epidemics accelerate the spread of the plague. Will you find the cures in time? The fate of humanity is in your hands. I appreciate that they kept the ew factor to a minimum here. The outbreaks are pretty much just represented by cubes. Although when I play the game, we always just attribute them to specific diseases (laughs) and uh, try to base it on the colors that they are. Like, oh, the Red Death is breaking out in China again. Uh, I tried to add a little bit of reality to the game. I sneezed on all the cubes before we played. (laughs) Oh, didn't I tell you that? Sorry. I was very scared when we opened the board and I saw all those circles and lines and a sea of cube components. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this could be a slow-paced game. But I was wrong. What do you guys think of the pace of this game? You have so many options about what can be done, but each option is so simple that no, you're not going to go down a rabbit hole. Seems like you have a lot to do for action, but they are so quick and they're not enough. You, you always feel like, if only I had another two actions. I agree. You always need like one more. If I could just get that station built this turn. Yeah, we should have needed one, one or two more actions at the very end of the game before we lost. It feels so unproductive to like spend your turn, move one space move another space, and then clean one cube up off the board. But sometimes you need to do it, even though, like, Uh you know, you might be somebody who's way better at something else. Sometimes you're stuck just doing mundane actions because you have to. Because someone's got to do them. Well, that might prevent the outbreak. You don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I love the way that travel felt 
Like it took so much time as you were trying to get to these places that you've got to share your information with, or you've got to get on the ground. I think that's where the, the role plays such a key factor in, in establishing that teamwork, because we all have a different special ability. It's like, oh, you want to move faster? I'm the dispatcher. I can move you there in a single action. Exactly. I loved how the dispatcher could send people places. If you play the scientist, you can cure with less cards so you can actually cure faster. The operations expert can build stations where you can research for free, which allows you to travel faster. All of the special abilities were really well balanced in this game. Sometimes it feels like a uh, like a D&D party. You know, you got your warrior to go out there and just handle the cubes. Yeah. And you got your, like, mm-hmm. wizard there to try to figure out the cures and gather up the cards for that. So um, mm-hmm. you start you start really realizing how important each role is. And I think trying to, to maximize that synergy is the key to defeating the game, especially in the harder mode. I mean, the rules could have been made very restrictive, but the designers made the correct choice when they decided to give players more options instead of less. I mean, how many different actions do you have to choose from if you have one action left or what out of the eight of them or something yeah yeah Yeah. i mean that's that's a lot yeah but some of them are just no-brainers to either do or not do yeah four of those eight are just different types of movement right (laughs) yeah well movement's a huge part of the game obviously Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know you have to be as efficient as you can in your moves because you need to use those actions in order to actually do the curing that, you, that you're trying to get done. It's one thing to move around. It's another thing to cure the world. But those faster movements, you have to play a card to do that, and that card could be useful elsewhere. So decision, decision. You'd think if it was this important that the world was going to end in plague, they'd start hiring more people <laughs> to start taking care of disease <laughs> in other places. It's like these four guys got to save the whole world by themselves. Right. Yeah, we need a few more specialists scattered around the globe, not just one person in Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) Thematically, I'm so happy that they made the the critical component of play interaction was, you know, embodied in the city rather than just having a map with a bunch of nations on it. You know, with their irregular sizes and shapes and stuff. I mean, cause, I mean that 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 really is not an indication at all about you know how diseases actually spread and where where they're more or less dangerous. You know, I mean, the diseases concentrate in areas of dense population. Oh, and they chose the right cities for that, like New York, yeah. <laughs> Mumbai, like big cities that would, and they and the way that it spreads too. One of the ways that it spreads anyway is that each city has like a linked other couple of cities on it, and when one of them spills over has too much of an outbreak there it spills over into the surrounding cities well because it spreads through the people in the hot spot that are fleeing the hot spot Mm -hmm. and that is exactly what happens as the game goes on the outbreaks increase right and the amount of cities you have to flip over to infect goes up and that cascade effect in a region of the world is what gets you. And watching the cascade effect happen, <laughs> oh, which Ed so expertly demonstrated for us at the end of this game. Ed, yeah. our master of cube movement and placement on the board, yeah. show, he was like, okay, watch what's going to happen now. Because <laughs> so, I saw, because I played this game so many times, I was like, oh, this is going to kill us. Let me show you how this works. Oh, <laughs> Let me show you how this works, folks. Yeah. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Back on Almost top. No Almost no point in shuffling there. <laughs> Why? But, uh, there are three cards here. Yep. And, and he has to draw all three. three. Oh. 
So the three cities so will I'm be. I'm just gonna put them up on top, and let's let's see the madness that ensues here. Ready? This can be maddening. <sighs> Ed, try to explain a little bit about how that cascade effect works, because our danger zone the entire time we played was the black section of the board, which is in the center. It's a Eurasian section. It had Moscow and and Delhi, and it spanned that area. Ed, tell us what happened. Well, basically, it's like, oh, well, flip over in Moscow, and that doesn't seem too bad, except for just a little outbreak there. But then the cube pushes down to Istanbul, which is already at the maximum thing. So there, Istanbul uh, had an outbreak, and it spread to all the cities nearby. So that included things like Cairo. So now Cairo had an outbreak, <laughs> and that spread it out. And then before we knew it, we ran out of black cubes, and we lost. Yep. 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 Too much of an outbreak. Only takes one of those four diseases to spread too far, and that's it. Game over. Yeah. World over. People over. It really felt like a perfectly balanced stakes because we were one turn away from getting rid of a huge amount of those black cubes oh, on the gosh. board. You could just feel so it. We, we oh, yeah. just found a cure. So it's like, okay, next turn, we're going to be able to start mo- removing three cubes in action. Then how does the fourth cube show up? Ah, ah what's going to happen is there's going to be an epidemic, probably next turn. Why? Because, because they're in here, and there's yeah. four of them, and we almost yeah. got through a cloud quarter. Yeah, everything's going to go like a mushroom. This game has an incredible close balance that you don't really see that often with an AI versus the players. Yeah, the clever thing here is that the epidemic card, when they come out in the player thing, what ends up happening is it takes all the infection cards of the cities you have already played and put cubes on, shuffles them up and put them back on the infection deck. So now you know the next cards coming up are ones that have already been infected. That adds a lot of tension. Not just back into a huge deck, on top. So you shuffle them in and put them on top of the deck. And you'll see them next, so you kind of have an idea what is coming and what's the most dangerous spot. So I think it actually plays well into the theme, knowing, hey, this is a hot spot and it's going to get worse. So we had happened to have two epidemic cards flipped close to one another, and that is the kiss of death. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. However, we did have a nice long ride at the beginning with no epidemic cards, so it balances out. Oh, it leads you into a false yeah. sense of security for sure. <laughs> yep. Oh, everything's fine. You know, it's only a couple cubes. We'll let them go for a little while. All of a sudden, two of them just bounce back and forth with each other and double outbreak and spread so far. And you're yeah. like, um, wow, maybe we should have handled that earlier. <laughs> Yeah. You're like, we got this. We got this. We don't got this. Oh, we do not got this. (laughs) Uh, Matt Leacock, the designer of Pandemic, we first came across him in uh, Forbidden Island, which is forever ago, when back when which game first was new. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. We were young then. (laughs) Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury pandemic. Joe? International air travel can spread deadly epidemics faster than ever before. Maybe this game's too dangerous to bury. I'm going to dig it up. Evan? If you're going to have a cooperative theme, why not use those powers to save humanity? Dig it up. Mike? Although sometimes quarterbacking kind of takes over the game a little bit, it's still really rewarding when the team wins together. So dig it up. Ed? I played this co-op game years ago, and its design still holds up so well in the theme and mechanic. 
dig this up. You can really feel the rush of urgency and the power of science in the cards you're drawing. Dig it up. Science! (laughs) (laughs) Ed, where can you find this game? Pandemic is available at game stores everywhere for about 40 bucks at MSRP. There are three expansions, and you can find a 10-year anniversary edition that came out recently. It's in a metal first aid box. Ooh. You can hang it up on the wall. Run for about 100 bucks. If you have thoughts about Pandemic, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our last game up this week is Foodie Fight. Designed by Joyce Locke, published by Chronicle Books in 2007, players 2 to 6, playtime 90 minutes. Okay, when we served up this dish, what were our first thoughts, Ed? Food Fight? Oh yeah, this could be fun. Oh, it's a trivia game. Yay. Evan? Hey, if you replace the F with an H, you get Hoodie Fight. But I digest. Joe? At least one member of the WGF panel is a diehard foodie, and I'll never betray his secret. Mike? It's me. Oh, darn it. Maybe I should temper my teammates' expectations. Yeah, maybe. Will the quality of the questions in this game be high enough to allow my love of good trivia to trump my dislove of food-based games? But before we tuck our napkins and dig into this review, Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played. In Foodie Fight, players face off in a race to answer trivia questions from six delicious categories, covering everything from celebrity chefs to food science to proper dining etiquette. So whip up some fancy hors d'oeuvres, grab a bottle of wine, and set the table for a night of delectable fun. Oh, please. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's very heavy-handed for what this game delivers. Well, you didn't have delectable fun? Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't, didn't seem real delectable to me, no. <laughs> Did you not grab your bottle of wine and have fancy hors d'oeuvres? I wish I had a bottle of wine. That, would that have might have actually helped. made the game bearable, Ashley. So a friend of mine got this game for me, and I'm a foodie, and I love games, and they were like, this will be a natural fit for him. Ugh. <laughs> it's, it's honestly what I thought. You know, when I saw this game in the thrift store for three bucks, I'm like, oh, Michael liked this game. <laughs> so so it was you who got i totally did oh yeah and uh yeah those freaking pie pieces that you have to fill in with Mm, the trivia gave me trivial pursuit flashbacks each uh category has three little pieces of a plate i guess they're like a a plate yeah yeah so you plug them into the little blank spaces there which is probably the best part of the game is clipping in those little pieces but you have to get three questions right in each category before the game ends. And you roll randomly to see which category that you're going to get a question from. So you could just not roll the categories you need for a long time. Exactly. It has that brutal, trivial pursuit style mechanic where it's just like you finish the category and you still have to keep answering those types of of questions because you keep rolling them mm-hmm. oh yeah do you it doesn't let you bypass them once you filled your little pie plate there you have to just keep answering questions out of the same category you roll you could get stuck in a loop of playing question categories that we just didn't need anymore 
Yeah, because at some point you have a one in six chance just to roll the category you need to answer. So the odds are well against you at a certain point in the game that you'll do something useful during your turn. This game has the oddest mix of component quality. It has a nice satin bag full of thin, chintzy cardboard plate pieces. It has an amazing magnetic closing flip-top box with a flimsy trivia card box inside full of thin, weak cards. Then Then it has a thick, foldable player board with a neat faux wood finish on the outside, but then you open it up to exposed, unfinished gray cardboard (laughs) pie inside. It's just weird. I thought that was a nice thing, the little fold-out menu, and you can see the six different plates you have to fill up. So cool. It has really cool design ideas, oddly executed with a mix of poor and quality pieces. Uh, I, I really liked the rules tip card. I thought it was very funny. Blackjack, beef jerky, and Colonel Popcorn are <laughs> enough to satisfy the responsibility of this game's humor. And and yet there's there's more where that came from. And yet the questions have like no humor in them. And the mix of question quality is bananas. Just asking questions about celebrity chefs from 20 years ago. <laughs> Exercise is part of the food pyramid? Well, Celeste clue to you was it is not, not a food. food. <laughs> I know. You kept but guessing seeds and fats pyramid? and proteins. You, you guessed fats. You guessed foods after she told you, no, it's not a food. There are six different categories they included. There's foodie sphere, food stars, companies coming, lab and field, dining out, and what's cooking. <laughs> what's cooking? What's hey, good looking? I would say what's cooking was a great category. And what was the hardest one was probably that one about... Celebrity chefs was the hardest for me because they're they're not like... Uh, the answers aren't like Wiley Dufresne or, you know, Gordon Ramsay. They're like chefs from the 20s. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely the toughest category. There were celebrity chefs in the 1920s? Oh, sure. There was, uh, you know, Chef Boyardee, and there was... uh... (laughs) So uh, after seeing all these trivia questions, some of them not so great, I decided to just look up some food trivia of my own. So one interesting thing that I kind of knew but I didn't know fully was that honey can last 3,000 years. It turns into crystals, but if you heat it back up, it's perfectly good honey, so it never spoils. Now, is it 3,000 years only because that's as long as they've tested it and they don't know? Yes. They're going to wait another 500 years to see if they can add on to that? Yes. In 500 years, they're going to say, honey lasts 3,500 years. But in 600 years, they're going to go, honey does not last 3,600 years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, also, I, I thought this was pretty hilarious. Cheese is the most stolen food in the world. <laughs> oh, God. Published by the Cheese Board. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's a great name for them, the Cheese Board. Yeah. (laughs) It might be because of cheeses, like, uh, there's some cheeses that have a really high value, but it's probably because there's so many different kind of cheeses out there. And let's face it, cheese is an impulse buy. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, totally. 
I love that cheese commercial. It's like, yes, uh, we found out the moon wasn't made out of cheese, and we haven't been back since. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, one more good one here. So I thought I knew a lot about pasta. Like, I, if you put a, a chart of different shapes of pasta, I can name probably almost all of them. But yeah, I did the spiral not... stuff, the long stuff, sure. <laughs> that thing that looks like a bow tie. Oh, that is bow tie. <laughs> the floppy tubey one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but <laughs> That's their official names. But um, I just found out there are 600 different shapes of pasta around the world. 600. That's ridiculous. I mean, I guess they're including stuff like spetzel, which you can't really say is a shape. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, if you, if you think about it like Play-Doh... You know, think of all the things you can make with Play-Doh. It's just this, sh- it's this shapeable blob. Of course, people are going to go crazy. Do they count like those bachelorette-shaped pastas and stuff that you can get at Spencer Gifts? The uh, the adult-themed. <laughs> yeah, the adult-themed pastas. Does those count among the 600? All right, explorers, get your shovels out. It's time to dig up or bury Foodie Fight. Joe? Now, I... Do love trivia games almost as much as I love chocolate ganache, but I'm not a gourmet and I never will be. I'm a gourmand, and so I reluctantly bury it. Evan? Well, this game sounds like it's in poor taste. <laughs> I didn't play. <laughs> uh, I'll let you know if I do. Ed? Uh, trivia is not my cup of tea, but I found this one to be a bit more bitter than even I expected. So I'll bury it and leave it for the trivia buffs who love food. Mike? Well, even though the category of this game seemed exciting, this is just another potentially endless trivia game. Bury it. <sighs> this game made me worse than hungry. It made me hangry. <laughs> 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 bury it. Mike, where can you find this game? It's still floating around out there at Amazon, Walmart, Atomic Empire, and a bunch of other gaming outlets. And it's less than 20 bucks usually. Probably find it at your local thrift store like I did for 4 bucks. If you have thoughts about Foodie Fight, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you'd like more perks and content, for just $3 a month, you can become a supporter today and get access to our weekly post-show podcast. If you get a chance, please leave us a rating or a review on your favorite podcaster or anywhere on the net. It really helps people find the show. Join our chat on our Discord server. We are at Witch Game First, and our patrons get access to exclusive channels. Happy gaming, explorers! Wash your hands before and after you eat. One of those diseases should have been con crud. We not only cooperated on a global scale, we also ate very well. All in all, a very successful and yummy evening. 